genre. podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who, one <laughs> doctor at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. You know the thing where every episode is someone's first episode? <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially this one. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to turn this off. I'll check this out. What the hell is this? <laughs> Hello, <laughs> the doctor's companion presents Doctor Who. <laughs> I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we are going all the way back to 2005 to discuss Rose, the ninth doctor's first story and uh, kind of the beginning of this current generation of Doctor Who. And who the ends and uh, who culture. Mm-hmm. So Scott, uh, so when we last left everyone's favorite Time Lord, uh, he had just visited the Fox Network. <laughs> yeah, so that that uh, that didn't work out, and then uh, nothing happened for a really long time. There was a uh, uh, a Doctor Who comedy special uh, that came out that was written by Stephen Moffat and starred. Um, Rowan Atkinson as the ninth doctor, the unofficial ninth doctor. And uh, that had happened. I think that was something like five or six years after, um, after uh, the TV movie. It's like 99. Yeah. 99, 2000, something like that. Uh, But anyway, but it it, it was really popular. People really liked it and was just like, Oh man, remember Dr. Who? God, what a fun show. Wish BBC would bring it back. And then BBC was like, maybe we should, bring that thing back because suddenly the idea of making a single camera show, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility for BBC's budget. Sure. Um, You know, so like now they're like, Oh yeah, why don't we bring it back? And we do it as a single cam show. Like let's, let's maybe, maybe there's other things, but but yeah, they weren't actively looking for anyone to take it over. Uh, It just so happened that, uh, Russell T Davies was uh, ha- having having done having done uh, I be- if I'm not mistaken he he, he did uh, what was the show that he did the the big show I keep thinking of the other two shows that are ripoffs of his show the L word and uh, looking and I'm like that those two were not his show what was his show I keep wanting to say coupling but that's Moffat yeah that's Moffat. Um, it was about the gay guys in London, and then they remade it in in America. Faulty Towers. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what the name of the show. Was. Oh man, I don't think I, I don't think I know. I don't, I don't think it was ever in my brain. Like I, I just don't uh, think I know it. Queer as folk. Queer um, as folk. 
Yeah. So he created Queer as Folk, and it was really like a really pretty big hit for uh, England. And uh, then you know uh, America <laughs> picked it up, uh, picked it up, uh, and did a remake of it, and then that was a really big hit. And so Russell T Davies was sort of like a, a, a guy, like a like a you know like kind of a had become he was a hot commodity. This, yeah, hot commodity exactly. And he got like a one off season to do like a Casanova show with David Tennant. And they're doing – he wrote the Casanova show and they were in production of that when they came to him and was like, would you ever want to do Doctor Who? Kind of almost at the same time where he was like about to ask them to do it uh, if he could if, – if anyone wanted to do Doctor Who because oh. he would totally do Doctor Who. Tales so, yeah. So then they were like, OK, let's do this. And originally uh, the first person that he put out to be the ninth Doctor – um, was going to be Hugh Grant. Uh, what? Want, yeah, he wanted Hugh Grant to Hello. be the ninth Doctor, <laughs> and uh, and it's funny because Hugh Grant played one of the Doctors that was in the comedy special. Dude, the joke where he just keeps regenerating into like different right. celebrities. Exactly. Um, and Hugh Grant was one of those, and uh, so he asked Hugh Grant, and Hugh Grant was like, "Oh no, I don't want to do that." Yeah, of course not. No. Yeah, uh, and, uh, 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 a statement that he has since. And forever regretted. Like <laughs> once you know? he actually once he actually watched the show, he was like, "Oh, I so should have done this." Well, you know what? Like, I really can't blame the guy because, like, if the last thing you saw of you know if the la- if England the last glimpse of the Doctor was like the Sylvester McCoy era, like it's like, no, I'm not gonna do Doctor Who. Are you kidding me? And no, yeah. And and the other thing too was was he was trying to pick how he was going to come back because I, I think he was still like he was still iffy about what he wanted to do with his career because you know he he had had multiple like uh, uh, run-ins with like tabloid stuff you know mm-hmm. um, and it so, had a kind of know, a little I, bit of a career resurgence in the midst of like Bridget Jones and Love Actually. Right. Exactly. So I think I think he was just kind of like, ah, you know, I'm I'm doing well with these rom coms over here, these British rom coms. I'm just going to keep doing those. Um, little did he know that they would just literally just stop making them. Um. <laughs> and he would eventually go on to uh, serve in British politics to some degree of success. Yeah. Uh, so I. So anyway, so so Hugh Jackman or Hugh Jackman, <laughs> Hugh Grant. <laughs> Hugh Grant Hello! turned them down. <laughs> Hugh Grant turned them down. And, Run! Uh, and then he made a list and Christopher Eccleston was on the list and he was the one that was free. And so they they talked and Christopher Eccleston was like not super interested. But at this point mm-hmm. – uh, at this point, Russell T. Davies had had uh, more time to sort of figure out who his doctor was and he had mm-hmm. created this idea of – the time war, and he wanted to return a sense of mystery to the Doctor, mm-hmm. um, which he felt had been lacking basically since the War Games. 
and and because the war game sort of explains everything you a, a lot of the stuff that you would want to know about the doctor and then and then that was like sort of the beginning of them explaining everything mm-hmm. you could possibly want to know about the doctor's backstory and um, I I think we forgot to bring this up last week but this was not Christopher Eccleston's first time being courted for the role of the doctor he was also under consideration to play the eighth doctor for also. Christopher, uh, also Peter Capaldi. Were they? They were yeah. not, not in any of the information I found. Oh man, yeah. I, I was reading up on like I can't remember what like wiki it was, but like it was like Eccleston turned it down for a very similar like reason as where he would leave the role. Actually, you know, where he was like, ah, my career. And uh, Capaldi just didn't show up to the audition. He was quoted as saying that he was afraid that he wouldn't get it. Huh. Oh, interesting. Um, so, uh, so, so anyway, so, uh, Eccleston, uh, wasn't super interested because, uh, there wasn't anything for him to sink his teeth into, into this character. And then Russell T. Davies outlined sort of his vision of the character, which is that he was going, Gallifrey would be gone. He's actually the last of the Time Lords now, which is a new wrinkle into, uh, the Doctor's backstory, and the reason for that was because he wanted to add an uh, an air of mystery back to the character. He wanted to put the question back into the title, um, and as a result of that change, that shift in uh, the story, uh, that's what convinced um, that's what that's what convinced uh, Eccleston to do it. So. Uh, so he was uh, he was on board and signed on as the Night Doctor, and then they got uh, they looked for a, for a companion. And since Eggleston wasn't like a big win as far as like yeah, he's a phenomenal Doctor. But I mean, the reason that they wanted Hugh Grant was because they wanted to be able to say Hugh Grant as the Doctor. Like mm-hmm. that would have been a huge get and would have made the premiere this incredible like event. And so since they didn't get that with the doctor, with Christopher Eccleston, they decided to try and get that with the companion and eventually settled on Billy Piper, who was a pop star at the time. Um, At the time. And so this – yeah. And so this was uh, akin to basically casting like Britney Spears or something like that um, in the role. In other Um, words, I'm sure the fans loved it. They hated it and they were like, really? You you learn nothing from Classic Who, which is that you don't get child actors or child pop stars in Doctor Who. Like they have no business being there and blah, blah, blah because of the whole Bonnie Langford thing. So so they just felt like they were screwing up again and then, you know, much to everyone's surprise, uh, Billy Piper was actually phenomenal. Um, but uh, yeah, and so that's how we get to – that's how we get to Rose. Um, and the reason that it's called Rose, which is a super weird thing for a Doctor Who story to name the story after a companion is really weird. Um, but the reason that, you know, he decided to do it is because not only did he want it like to add that element of mystery to the Doctor uh, Rusty Davies idea was to focus on the companions because he felt that that was something that made the un- unearthly child so good was that 
you know, that pilot, you focus on the companions and the doctor is this unknown commodity. And he felt that after an unearthly child, that sort of went out the window and the doctor sort of became the main character of the show. Um, and he wanted to sort of take that away a little bit or, and at least make it at the very least, make it a two hander, but he wanted to, to come in and say, make that statement, which is that this is a show about the companion. The companion is the main character and the doctor is this, uh, you know, uh, pixie dream girl kind of <laughs> character. Um, and uh and and yeah and so that's that's how we get uh that's how we get rose um 2005 so it took a while to get it going but uh Ten march years. march 26 2005 i remember uh finding out that they had rebooted uh doctor who and i was so excited and what was that like so... for you what's that what was that like for you it was interesting because I was I was at a comic book store and uh, the one of the the guys up front were just like sort of talking about it, how how uh, it had started in in England and and there was no plans to bring it to America at the time, um, and they were just like God we got to figure out a way to get it, and this was right as torrenting was just beginning, um, and so it was at that place where torrenting was new enough that. Uh, the people who knew about it pretended that they didn't and just pretended they were cool enough to have copies of things they shouldn't have <laughs> copies of. Um, you know, that thing where they're just like, ah, you know, yeah, I just, I know a guy, you know, uh, like that. John like Internet. Tracks. Yeah. So there was a guy at the comic shop who was totally that guy and uh, he was like, he was literally selling bootleg copies of the Doctor Who episodes. Oh my um, God. Yeah, so I would come in every week and I'd buy the new episode um, because I love Doctor Who and so I watched it. I watched it, you know, about a week later than than England, but there was no like social media so much in 2005. Like not to the extent where, you know, it was difficult to avoid spoilers or anything like that. You know? Oh, yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, that's how, that's how I watched um, – Doctor Who. And that's actually how I watched it for a long time. <laughs> uh because, you know, they America didn't get Doctor Who until I believe the Martha Jones season. Um is when they finally started airing the Eccleston stuff in America. Um I don't know. I I I remember I remember like the announcement of Martha Jones like on like BBC, I remember I was in like a public library and I was like, oh, they cast Rose's replacement and it had like that kind of famous photograph of like Freema in like her like red leather jacket and like her okay. hair. So maybe it was just, uh, maybe it was just two years off then instead of three. Because um, I remember they, they I, were, they were airing on like the sci-fi channel kind of like a season. Right. Right. And they uh, would, they would cut in commercials and it was awful. Um, it was really bad. Uh, it was really bad uh, editing. Uh, not that there, not that you could do a very good job, but because you know these don't have commercials. But yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely uh, so. So yeah, I watched Rose um, 
probably, I want to say like three or so weeks after it aired. And I remember being like, oh, that was, that was fun. New cool leather jacket doctor. And he's kind of a dork, which is fun. All right. All right. Cool. I'm on, I'm on board. And then, uh, and then the end of the world was like, oh my God. Holy crap, this show's going to be amazing. And then Unquiet Dead was like, yeah, that was kind of boring. <laughs> but fine, I guess. And then the farting aliens, I started to get scared. Um, but then uh, but then Dalek was the thing that won me over forever. So um, so that was uh, – that's how that happened. But um, I don't know. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Rose, I guess. Um, so how many times have you guys seen this episode, do you think? Hmm. Probably, like, this was probably my second time. Wait, seriously? Yeah, I actually didn't watch this when it first showed up on. The first Doctor Who episode I ever saw was on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it was uh, the Simon Pegg episode. Oh. Because that's, that's why I was... Episode. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because like I was just like, oh, Simon Pegg's on this show, and yeah. uh, apparently it was like a remake of some some show that was like cool in the seventies. Well, Simon Pegg's on it, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm I'm fourteen and I'm going to watch it. And um, yeah, and this you know, and and uh, I don't think it was until the they eventually like just re ran it, and then I was like, oh, I guess this is the first one. You can finally see how this all. So like, I I don't have any. Like, I actually can't remember the first time I saw this episode, and it probably wouldn't be a crazy, you know, a crazy bet to say this is the first time I watched this episode, like, all the way through in one go. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Uh, Sandra, how many times do you think you've seen this? Um, I think this might have been, like, five. Yeah. Um, I think this is I think this is about a dozen for me, probably. Geez. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I end up watching this episode a lot because I, I'm always introducing new people to who, you know, right. so to who um, to, to, <laughs> yep. um, so so uh, I, I yeah, I, I tend to watch this episode a lot because I'm not a I'm not a big believer in starting someone with some random episode. Oh, no, 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 no. You you start with 9. Yeah. I don't care yeah. what I don't care what your friend says. Cuz you I feel like if you don't start with 9, you don't appreciate him. Like anyone who started with 10, like the, like the people that started with 10, they tend to not appreciate 9. Um and the people who started with 11, they don't appreciate 9 or 10, which is mind-boggling to me. Sure. Like 9 it's I can also, understand cuz he's not yeah. like hunky like like 10 and 11 are but like not liking 10 come on come on seriously well, it's, kind of, it's kind of like you know it it's like oh well what what was your favorite cast of saturday night live well it's whenever you were in middle school yeah i guess so i just don't i i guess i don't i just don't subscribe to that in doctor who hmm. i can kind of I, I can really i can kind of appreciate it because you know i Okay, so so I, I I watched Doctor Who like it was my little special like like Narnia door that no one else knew about. It was just this weird show that I would sit down and watch every Friday night, and I would just have no idea what was going to happen. 
Yeah. I'd be like, okay, what, you know, what's going to happen this week? You know, what have you got for me this time? Oh, we're in this world of like skin people or like, and it was just <laughs> the coolest show because I had no idea what was going to happen every week. And I loved Eccleston and it wasn't until I was actually really indignant when Eccleston regenerated because A, didn't know that was a possible thing. And then B. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what? And then he's like, goodbye, everyone. I'm going to go be in Thor 2. And then he turns into David Tennant. And I was like, who is this pretty, like, stupid, like, ah. Oh. And I was so bummed for, like, a whole summer. And I was like, I can't believe they replaced Eccleston with that guy. He didn't even look that cool. He's, you know, all the girls are going to like him. Girls are stupid. Girls are so stupid. <laughs> Well, I don't know they take me. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then you know, I, I fell in love with Tenet the way we all did. But it wasn't until I got to college in like the fall of 2010 that I met, you know, and they're still my friends to this day, you know, people who knew Doctor Who. And, you know, they were like, they, you know, they wore the fez and they knew all the things. And I was like, oh my God, you guys know about Doctor Who? I know about Doctor Who. Let's, yeah. And they're like, who's your doctor? And they're like, we like Matt Smith. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was what? like, Matt Smith? I mean, yeah, he's cool. But like, do you know, like, you know, like the ninth doctor? And they're like, oh, we haven't, because I don't even think it was on Netflix yet. I think it was only on those like $80 DVDs that you had to buy. Oh, yeah. And I bought them. Yeah, but like their love, their love of the show was so earnest and pure, and that I was like, oh, so this is just there, you know, because like to you know, I'm sure that you know, old farts at comic book stores would scoff at me for starting with Eccleston, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you didn't see Unearthly Child, bah, get out of here, you fake geek boy, you know. <laughs> And so I think it's something uniquely beautiful about Doctor Who that everyone kind of can have their own doctor, their own, their own like gateway, you know, their own sort of finding your dad's old records. I I, I mean, I understand the gateway thing, but my, my issue comes when there's people who call themselves Doctor Who fans who just completely write off other doctors. Oh, sure. Because then I'm just like, okay, so you don't like Doctor Who, you just like that guy. Yeah, um, which is I feel is is different. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. uh, like when Matt Smith regenerated into Peter Capaldi, so many people stopped watching the show. Mm-hmm. So many people. I know I did. <laughs> um, and and that that's always rubbed me the wrong way because I'm just I'm like, sure. OK, you know, so you, I don't know. I don't know. What, yeah, it's kind of like what, it's kind of like those those fans that only like the big album with the big single on it, you know. Right. How did you how did you start watching the show, Cassandra? Did um, you start here? Yeah, I started from the beginning. Um I uh my my boyfriend at the time uh was like, You gotta watch this show and I was like, Okay. Um and <laughs> <laughs> Were you were you Daria at the time? <laughs> I guess. Um <laughs> You gotta watch this show. Okay. <laughs> well I like I had no context for it, and it was just like, all right, so it's this this British show, and I guess David Tennant's in it, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you gotta watch first season though, and I was like, okay, um, and I actually did not like the show until Dalek, like, mm-hmm. I I I was just kind of like watching it because it was on, 
and like we were hanging out and that's what we were doing but it was just like oh this is kind of dumb and like I didn't I don't think I really liked Rose even until um the bad wolf like <laughs> so um yeah I don't know but rewatch like I've seen like I've rewatched it um since then mm -hmm. and every time I see it, like the more I love it and the more I like notice, um, when I like watch through it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember when, after I had seen all of the show that was out at the time, like right when Matt Smith showed up, I started watching it with my little brother and I showed him, um, 11th hour first because I thought he would like, he was like, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11. Um, also, so I was it's like, better. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it was like more yeah. actiony and like it was updated, you know? And I was like, okay, we're going to watch this. And if you like it, we're going to watch the other two guys that come before him. And he's like, what do you mean other two guys? Isn't he like, he, he was cool watching it with my little brother. Cause like I never got to experience that as a kid. So I was kind of like, I don't know kind of vicariously like experiencing doctor who all over again which was oh, fun. sure yeah yeah, yeah 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 but yeah so i don't know that's kind of my background with it it's so yeah. weird hearing you because like you know you from my perspective like this is sort of the show that i'm familiar with you know mm -hmm. and it's so you really do i really did get a such a a, a grand appreciation for this episode, having, you know, watched all of these other, you know, Doctor Who adventures, because this is just such a bold, like, I mean, it, you know, I mean, I don't want to use hyperbole, but in the context of Doctor Who, like, just this episode is pretty revolutionary. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's modern in a way, but not even modern because like, oh, the 2000s, but like, it's, it's about us in a way the old shows, like, at least what I've seen never were. It's way more interested in like, the people and like everything you were saying about what if the doctor was a, was a mystery? And what if like, it was about the companion? I was like, that's literally why I like the show is, mm -hmm. and it's like, God, Russell T. Davies really just knew how to make this show not just like the geekiest geekiest thing which kind of doctor who was at that time it was like there's star trek then you got a mile of concrete and then you got doctor who and it was like <laughs> how how do we make this something that like everyone can get into and kind of i guess the closest thing i can think of is like jj abrams like okay well how do we make star trek fun for everyone and it's just so it's just so fun and fast and like i don't know man it was, it was like yeah no this is the show that i like like this is like this is doctor <laughs> you know what i mean like for my taste you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah no for sure and i mean you know it 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 it, sh it can't go unsaid that this is the first time that the show has ever been in this format yeah, just, just you know the cuts, just edits. Yeah, yeah, edit in like and, and just like a forty-five minute, a forty-five minute episode. You know, like mm -hmm. like they they experimented with two forty-five minute episodes 
during the Colin Baker era, mm-hmm. um, where each story was like two parts and they were forty five each was forty five minutes. But in reality, it's like, well, I mean, you call this a forty five minute episode, but let's you know, let's call a spade a spade. You just you just put two twenty minute episodes together without a cliffhanger. Yeah. And called it a 45-minute episode. Right. It's like now when the doctor's about to get captured, you just cut to the scene where he doesn't instead of like ending it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so you know, everything was reinvented for this. Um, and, you know, I think that a lot of people give a lot of, you know, due credit to, to Moffat for, for reinvent, re-reinventing the show in 2010. But – Russell T. I mean, he he did it from scratch. It's sort know? of like a Chris Columbus, Alfonso Cuarón kind of like discussion. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, um, that's a Harry Potter reference for anyone who doesn't. Know. <laughs> um, know. But but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's Rose is really special. And, yeah, I also and, really I also really like that the title is just Rose. There's something so like elegant and. And it's like, you know, secret of the ooze men, you know, but like yeah. Rose. Well, yeah. And that's definitely the other thing is that they, he wanted to not do Doctor Who titles mm-hmm. um, because, you know, Doc, Doctor Who, classic Who had become this, they, there's been, they, they became a trope of the kind of titles that they would have. And he wanted to get away with that or get away from that a little bit, especially with the first episode. He wanted to put the hammer down. And he's like, this is a show about the companion and this is not the old classic Doctor Who. So this episode is called Rose and this is where we're going to start. And uh, I think that's cool. Um, I don't know. I really like that. But uh, yeah. And, and Tyler. Bi- I uh I've I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh series 1 Rose Tyler is the best Rose Tyler and series 2 Rose Tyler is the worst. Oh. I I I hate Rose and 10, but I love Rose and 9. Um that I, that scene where they're that that oneer where we're just sort of like we're just sort of like backwards following them. Um, as they're as they're walking from her house to to his TARDIS, and it's just we're just following them walking, and they're just like hanging out and talking. Like it's just so there's so much chemistry there in that sort of non romantic way where they're just they're just two people who just can't help but like each other. Mm-hmm. And I I just I love that I love that about it. And I'll be honest, I didn't know how much it would hold up. But I feel like uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I I didn't feel like I was getting more out of Rose now that I've seen Day of the Doctor. So, sure, good job, good job, Moffat. Good job, Moffat. Yeah, because honestly, I really I felt like good job. Yeah, I felt (laughs) like I was getting a little bit more out of Rose this time because I was like, oh, I know where you just came from now, and. Yeah, the mystery is gone now, but at the same time, it it adds another layer of like, oh, I know that you've been in a war for a really long time. You've you've just come out of of uh, regeneration where you had no companions. You were completely on your own for an entire regeneration. A lifetime. And now you, 
Yeah, and now you're finally a new guy, and you're just sort of like falling in love again with the idea of having a companion. Yeah, and he's like he's like not he's 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 very undomesticated in this episode. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And he's out of practice. He's not as slick as he normally is. No, you know? I mean like the like that that really cool like that that adorable kind of. Him puttering about, you know, where he like speed reads through the lovely bones, and and then he do, he does that card trick, and he just totally like you know b- you know box it up, right? And then and then and when he's like wrestling with the arm in the background, like, yeah, that's like a goofy thing that wouldn't be in in classic Who, you know, that's unless such a good unless it was like a legitimate cliffhanger, and then it would yeah. be pearly, yeah, pearly face. That's such but, a great little like almost like Spielbergian joke, where like you don't even get that it's a setup when like Mickey's pretending. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you boys are all the same. You see a fake arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm I was really I'm really kind of there's a lot of like little choices here that Russell T. Davies make that really fascinate me. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting that our main character is like a pretty popular inner relationship has a job like blonde girl, you know, like yeah. it's just, it, it's just so like, like none of that is screams pilot. You know what I mean? Like I was like, wow, like, wow, like she's actually doing pretty okay. For some reason I always imagine like Rose being like, Oh, she was a down and out head nowhere loser pants. But like, no, she's well, like a uh, normal. She kind of was. I mean, she, she has that line, like after the, after her job blows up, she has that line with Mickey where she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Like maybe I'll, maybe I'll get, I, I forget what it is because I, I'm not, I don't know the English lingo by heart, but I know what she meant uh, in America and like in, in like American colloquialism is that she's like, I, I, I guess I could go to college or I should I could finish college. Uh and then she mentioned something about like a guy like her getting distracted by a guy or something like that and that's why she didn't finish college. Um and why How? she's living living with her mom mm-hmm. and working at a, a shop at the shop. Yeah. How old is she? How old is she supposed to be? Like like the character Rose? Two. Isn't 12, she like in her 20. early 20s? Yeah. Like 21, 22? Yeah, something like that, I would say. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, I I might be completely wrong on this, but I I think that in England, you finish, like, high, like the equivalent of high school at, like, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, going for, like, going for your A-levels or whatever they call it, like... Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, you, you go immediately from, like... Like, like here, but, like, two years younger. So, like, if she's, like, in her early 20s, she's been out of school for, like, maybe four years at this point. Right. So That's what she like, said. She's like, I could finish my A-levels, I think yeah, is what yeah, she yeah. said. Yeah. So, like, she, I don't know, she is kind of, like, because she, you know, she finished high school, presumably, but she didn't go to college, so she's in, like, because this dead-end. Because of a boy. End, yeah, she, she's <laughs> in this, like, dead-end retail job, and she lives at home. She, and She's about to become Jackie. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically I think that's the idea is that 
like her mom, she's like looking into her future, like both in her mom and in this guy who I swear to God in that first scene in that montage of like Rose's day and she's like at lunch. <laughs> that weird like run low the run like speed montage. Yeah. yeah well, and then there, and, and there's that moment where she's like on on uh, at the fountain on lunch and she's like – Oh, with Mickey. Yeah. With Mickey. I I every time I watch this, I'm just, I remember watching this the first time and being like, oh, she's got a gay best friend. Oh yeah, I knew he totally like because like, like I maybe like, it, was a it did bit too- not it did not scream like that's her boyfriend because yeah. like she never even like she doesn't kiss him until she kisses him goodbye like at the end of the episode yeah and, like it's just she just has no, no interest and so I always I just never got any romantic chemistry between the two of them so it, I always should I remember watching this first episode. And being like, even when he goes, oh, that's my girl. And I was like, oh, that's my woman. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's funny. He's calling calling her his woman even though he's gay. Like, I just took a long time to realize that he wasn't gay. (laughs) Every scene with Mickey, I was just like, oh, oh, Mickey. Like, he is a F boy. Like, he is like, bro, you need to get out of there. Yeah. It's... When he's like gripping onto her leg, I also feel like uh, the director, um, uh, Keith Boak. I think there's a reason that he he is responsible for Rose, which is some of the goofiest stuff in the Russell T Davies era. Which know? is saying something. <laughs> and, and like, I feel like he was telling Mickey, like, "Ooh, act like you're in a Doctor Who story," and so he's like. Way over the top, ridiculous, and, and this episode. is before he's an auton, right? Even before he's an auton, and then when he's an auton, it's even worse. Yeah. Um. And then at the end, he's like gripping onto her leg like a toddler, like it's ridiculous. He's like, it, it's it's absurd. He's like, he's like, it's like he's in a, a kids show, you know, like mm-hmm. not what Russell T Davies was wanting this show to be. And then funny story, Keith Boak, the other story that he directed this season, because as you know. This show shoots in blocks. So like a director – at least during the Russell T. Davies era. So like a director would come on and they're going to direct you know, three – two or three episodes and they'll do it in a block. So so Keith Boak directed this and then they went directly from this into Aliens of London, World War III. And I'm like that makes so much sense because farting aliens – and burping trash cans and burping trash cans is a direct co you know a direct coalition yeah so like i i just i i was like okay i'm glad this guy never came back because he is not a good director it's and it's also kind of a testament to like the strength of 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 noel clark that he after this you know performance which i'm sure you know you're an actor you you do the performance that you're being directed, you know, mm-hmm. and you trust the director. It's so cool that he ended up becoming such a vital part of the mythology and sort of, you know, fit and changed into what would become like the proper kind of like Russell T. Davies era mood. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I think after uh, after World War Three aliens in London, after that story, Mickey becomes a much better, like more nuanced. Yeah. More three dimensional character. Well, becomes a little tin dog. Where he's coming from with things more. Um, Whereas in this, he is the worst. And then in Aliens Aliens in London, World War III, he is like a whiny crybaby. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And and so it's it's interesting realizing that the connection there is the director and like, oh, that's why I've never been a fan of those two stories. There's also a really tone. There's also a really fun little like continuity error, but they didn't know at the time where Mickey dies, according to Rose, and she is so sad. And uh, there's a part where Rose is like, oh, I'll have to tell her mom. And I'm like, hey, he doesn't have a mom. He has a grand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Good catch. Aw, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good catch. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, you got to give it up to Russell T. Davies because, like, this script on its own – like, cause I, cause I read the, I read the script cause I have the, the script book for this whole first season and, uh, all, all, Mickey's fine. Like in the script, mm-hmm. it's a hundred percent the director that is making him do these ridiculous things and turning him into like a, like a cartoon villain. Um, and, and just a ridiculous, more like a, more like a LeFou, like a cartoon foil. No, you know, you know what he's like. He's like the really annoying character in every sitcom in the '80s and early '90s. He's a like, boner. He's like, he's like an he's like an annoying. He's like he's like the Urkel of like this episode. Yeah. Like he's just that annoying character, or the or the Kimmy Gibbler. He's like the Kimmy Gibbler, mm-hmm. um, where you're just like, okay, you are working way over the top of everyone else. He's like, like the Elmira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and obviously it's because the, the director was like, bigger, bigger. Mm-hmm. And both Billy Piper and uh, Christopher Eccleston was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> How I don't no? do bigger. Yeah. <laughs> or get deeper and more intense. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if uh, Keith Boak isn't a big uh, responsible party for Eccleston wanting to leave. Get that you know, chocolate these, away. This, is, these were this was his first batch of episodes that they filmed. You know, yeah. where like this director telling him to be goofier and sillier and dumber. You know, and he came on to this project believing that he was going to bring something really serious and like, dramatic and like nuanced to this character. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, and then and then Keith Boak comes in. And he's like, hey, so you know how the aliens have like these zippers? So like, what if they fart? Wouldn't that be great? We could we could cast a bunch of fat people. That'd oh my be great. god! And then and then just Eccleston, just like oh my god, what this is exactly what I didn't want to do. So. God, can you imagine if he designed the Ninth Doctor's costume? It's like a cat in the hat suit, and like. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. I think my favorite. It's funny that we were talking about like under, you know, going going like you know small instead of big. I think my favorite scene in this episode is the first time the roses in the TARDIS and just the back and forth delivery of both of them where it's like, are you like, are you an alien? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, there's just so much like, like sexual tension, but also just like advent. I don't know. I, I love that. It, it's, it almost reminds me of like a Vicky Vale, Michael Keaton, like Batman conversation, you know, where it's just so good and mm-hmm. like understated. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, for the record, uh, Curse of Fatal Death, uh, the Stephen Moffat penned like comedy special that aired in uh, actually ex- it, it aired exactly six years prior, so March nineteen ninety nine. Nice. Huh. Yeah. 
So it took six years from that uh, until they could get Russell T. Davies to do Doctor Who. So I always thought it was sort of a uh, sort of sad that they they sort of blew uh, Rowan Atkinson's role of the Doctor in like a parody because I actually thought you know he would make a good proper Doctor. Yeah, I think he was one of the people that uh, Russell T. originally went to, and and he turned it down too. Like, no. uh, probably because, <laughs> it's so weird when you said because tur- he didn't he didn't understand the dramatic take. You know, sure. it was probably mm-hmm. the opposite of the right. reason that others turned it down. It's so funny when you said turn it down. I just pictured Mr. Bean going like, <laughs> <laughs> waving his hand in front of his Teddy. His no. <laughs> um. <laughs> and then falling asleep like his character, in <laughs> as Mr. Beans are wont to do. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I uh, so I uh, you know I, I I really like this episode. I think it's really solid. I think that there are some things that don't work. Most of the really silly stuff, <laughs> the burping um, trash can and what have you, right? The burping trash can and uh, everything that Mickey does. Yeah, um, the really I, funny brutal execution of a father in front of his wife and son. Oh my god! Oh yeah, <laughs> really rough. I think all the like the silly stuff kind of ties it back to like the original though. Like having yeah. having just watched a bunch of classic Who in succession and then watching this, it's like, okay, there's elements it, it, here that Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it does, but I think that's the director doing that because he doesn't know what this new show is supposed yeah. to be. But I, I like I like Doctor Who because like especially the new stuff because it can be very silly, but also very serious at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. like, um, we'll take like Matt Smith, um, like dinosaurs on a spaceship versus like the doctor's wife. Like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, so there's, I like that it can kind of go both ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I then, do think that there's a difference between the silliness in, uh, in uh, uh, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship and the Silliness here mm-hmm. and in uh, Aliens in London. Um, or mostly, like the, a, mo- mostly the flatulence, but, you know. That's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or, like, to take this, this season, um, like the, the Aliens in London two-parter versus um, Boomtown where she shows up again and it's just, like, that conversation that they have over dinner. Yeah. Like, oh, that, that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, some of my favorite Doctor Who moments are, you know, like, I, I, you know, the unicorn and the wasp, where you have, like, that sort of, like, Mel Brooksian, like, physical comedy bit, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that, that restaurant where they go to eat pizza, um, which, which, that's the whole thing, is like, oh, we could go get some pizza, or maybe Chinese, and he's like, pizza. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, is what he says. Good one, and, Scott. Uh, and and then they then they cut to the restaurant and I'm like this is the fanciest pizza place I know. I've ever well, seen. No, I like I like to call it the Cafe BBC because <laughs> I mean God God if that isn't the exact same restaurant that like the Ninth Doctor takes Madame Hooch to like later on or no no remember the the one where it's not Madame Hooch but like the sequel. Where he's like, where he's like, he should keep trying to poison yeah, him. We were just yeah, talking Boomtown. about Boomtown. Yeah. That yeah. is Boomtown? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's Boomtown, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I don't think that's the same restaurant, though. Maybe uh, okay. maybe it is, but they shot it from a different angle, and I, I don't recognize <laughs> it. But 
Um, but any, but 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 either way, like I just I think that that's I think it's really weird. I, it does look like the restaurant though in um, Clara's first story. The uh, well, legit Clara. Which one? Um, oh, the bells yeah, of Saint John. Yeah, Bells of St. John, the the restaurant where everyone freezes and she's like, what's going on? Remember? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is the same. And Matt Smith is like, motorcycled up a building. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it's interesting that you mentioned earlier that you like Rose with Nine more. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the opposite of Clara. Because, um, like, yeah. you know, like Rose was made to be Eccleston's companion and then, like, she gets tenant and they're just like, you know, doe-eyed and haughty. <laughs> they're just like, see Davies just like, I don't know. They fall in love. Whatever. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Um, That's never happened before. Sure. <laughs> but that like, and Clara, like Clara is kind of like the placeholder. Cause you know, she comes after the pawns and it's just like, Oh, well, I don't know what to do. I guess she has a crush on him. Let's, let's do that. Um, yeah. but now like with Capaldi, like, she like oh yeah she, yeah you know what I mean she was phenomenal with Capaldi yeah. yeah yeah no you're totally right uh it it's like it's like in that instance they designed a doctor to suit the companion they already had you know mm-hmm. uh it's it's interesting did uh, Eleven and Clara ever like kiss I think so mm, probably as like a joke or something maybe yeah because Moffat. Because, like, I can't really think, because, you know, because, like, you know, there's that classic, you know, Amy 11 makeout. um, Right. And then. It's so funny (laughs) picturing scenes like that when, when now that we, now that we've gone through all the doctors, it's just like, I just, just picturing her, like, making out with Troughton. (laughs) (laughs) And him just being really uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, it's all the same guy. So it's just. It's like, oh, it, um, maybe don't do that. Like somewhere, like somewhere in the in like the recesses of Eleven's mind, Arnold's like, yes, do it, Snorter, do it. I'm pretty sure that's not Hartnell. I think that's, I think that's Filch. Yeah, I think that's Filch. Why do you think I use this bendy straw? <laughs> oh god um yeah i i just i do i really like rose and eccleston i do not like rose and, and ten at all i but just I like love, rose i love yeah well but see but i only like rose here i only like rose in this part like in season two she's a little too smug for me um i'm not a fan just not a fan i love martha and ten, and I love I love uh, uh, ten and and Donna. Obviously. Yeah, the Dons, the Don. <laughs> but um, yeah, not not crazy about ten and Martha or ten and Rose, which we're gonna talk about more next week. Um, but uh, I I uh, I also something else. I you know I've seen this thing, this stupid thing, like twelve times at this point, and uh, probably more if I'm being totally honest. Um, but you should always be totally honest. What's what? What I noticed this time was like so. There's that really terrible Photoshop joke. Yes, oh, it's so yeah. good. Where the crazy, where the crazy guy is like, is yeah. like, look, he was at the JFK assassination, and this was the first time that I. This is the first time that I realized 
that it's it's a double joke because the JFK assassination happened on the day the Doctor Who premiered. Mm-hmm. Oh crap. Yeah. What a weird joke to make, Russell T. Davies. Yeah, so it's like it's a reference to the premiere of Doctor Who without referencing the premiere of yeah, Doctor but Who. But referencing, you know, the darkest day of a nation's history. Yeah, but not their nation, so they don't care. <laughs> That's funny. Um <laughs> I what a great way to get through like the the pilot exposition of like a genre show, you know? Like yeah. that's such a clever writer idea where like, oh, she finds a conspiracy nut and she's already done all the homework for her. Yeah. yeah. And also and also you get the at the addition of the sort of you know uh uh Davies Davies like penchant for the dark side of the doctor. Mm-hmm. And you get that introduced in this scene where he's like and he always has a constant companion with him. And you're like, ah, cute companion. And she's like, oh, like, like who? And he goes, death. Yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> oh my god. What if, what if he was like, death? And then he pulls out another photo, and it's like Tegan. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, he pulls out another photo, and it's just the Doctor hanging out with the Grim Reaper, <laughs> just playing chess, going on adventures together. Just Adam Carolla, <laughs> the Grim Reaper from uh, from Bogus Journey. Oh, totally. The best Grim Reaper. Yeah, the best Grim Reaper ever. Second is uh, uh, Billy and Mandy Grim Reaper. Yeah. Because he was giant. Question, guys. Remember when, uh, remember when Mickey and, and, and Rose are at the restaurant and Mickey's asking her all these questions about the doctor because he's not really Mickey. He looks uh, like Caesar Flickerman. Like, I don't know how <laughs> Rose like, – I don't know how she can tell the difference. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, it's absolutely ridiculous. She no, he doesn't look like Caesar Flickerman. He looks like he and I've always thought this. He looks like like the lost in sync member from the It's Gonna Be Me musical. Yeah, oh like when they're in the when they're toy boxes. Yeah, yeah, when they're in the toy boxes. <laughs> he even says pizza like It's Gonna Be Me. <laughs> I remember pizza. I remember MTV hyped the crap out of that music video. And yeah, because they remember they used to have that show making the video and that was one of the yeah. that was the uh, making the video special. Like I wasn't even that big of like a boy band person, you know? Yeah. But I was just like, well we gotta I guess we gotta watch this. I mean it's the new NSYNC video. It's gonna change pop culture forever. And then like it came on and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's what's going on? Is this a small soldiers reference? Yeah. Um I but like yeah, he totally you. he totally looks like an instinct member from, <laughs> from Maybe it's good. maybe it's a reference to like Billy Piper as a pop star. Just like hey. Oh maybe. <laughs> maybe they they reference her being a pop star in the next episode. So. You know, they never shoehorn Billy Piper being uh, a singer in her entire run. And that's I think that's kind of admirable. Yeah. I guess that's true. They don't. Huh. I'm a good singer. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Um, but yeah, so in that scene when when uh, she's doing that, and she's like, "Why are you acting so weird?" And she, he's like, "Just tell me about the doctor." And there's like that guy behind her that's like, "Ah, oh, champagne." He's like, "We didn't order any champagne." And then it turns out it's the doctor, and then the doctor shoots the cork at Mickey. And I just this time, this is the first time that I've watched this, and I just go, "What are you doing?" Yeah, like, what? what? The- 
Like, what, it's what like, is your plan? What What do you think <laughs> is going to happen when you shoot the cork at at Mickey? Like, what? Like, this is your big plan. You're going to shoot a cork at at, at, at the, the and even Mickey's just like, autopsy. okay. <laughs> then anyway, and I'm like, yeah, it, it it you know you got the cool moment where he sucks it in and then spits out the cork, but quote cool. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's cool. I mean, it's go- cool in like a goofy way, like whatever. <laughs> Um, it was a cool, it's a cool effect, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, you got that out of it, but like, what was the doctor planning to, what was he hoping with, what was going to be the best outcome of that? Like that, he just like, he just shoots the cork at Mickey and it's like, and I've defeated the Autons. Well, <laughs> I'm on my way. Oh, like I killed all the Time Lords. <laughs> Maybe he was hoping that, like, the head would pop off. Because he wanted the head to track the, the nesting. So oh, he was yeah. like, all right, so maybe I'll blow this guy's head off with a champagne bottle. Um, <laughs> and then roll with it. <laughs> he probably would have had better a better uh, shot at that if he had just, like, hit him over the head with the bottle. <laughs> Can you imagine if he was like, okay, the joke's exactly the same. Like, champagne, champagne. We didn't order it. And then pan up on the doctor. He goes, bye. And he just pulls out, like, a handgun. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, no! It's gonna be different. Oh my He's God. got a gun. <laughs> All of a sudden, the doctor's played by, like, Brendan Gleeson. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Um, he was on, uh, he was in that uh, Chris Hemsworth Whale movie that I watched the other day. Oh, yeah? Ooh. He played an old version of Tom Holland's character. So oh, Tom Holland's wow. got that to look forward to. <laughs> really let himself go. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I have a question for you guys. So between us, we have seen a lot of reactions to the TARDIS being bigger on the inside. I I want to put throw the gauntlet on the table because I think Roses is the best. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Of all the different ways that we've seen, I think Roses is absolutely the best. Like, the fact that they don't even show us the TARDIS, but we just see her reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And then she's running away. She's running away from Atan's coming to kill her. But she's just so freaked out by the TARDIS that she has to run back out and, like, check out the TARDIS on the outside. Well, and I, narrowly miss getting getting snatched by the yeah, Autons again. I like how genuine it is. Because, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you're running away from plastic men that are trying to kill you. And then you run yeah. into this box. And you're just like, hold, hold up. Hold yeah. up. Like, <laughs> it's definitely, I think it's the best directed moment uh, in, the, in the episode. It's um, very Spielbergian, I think. I think the only thing that's missing, because I think you're right, but the only thing that's missing is when she comes in and shuts the door and looks and you see her her face, they should have done the dolly zoom, like, Jaws shot of, like, oh, what? Like, I feel like that would have added something to it. It would have been really cool if it just looked exactly like um, Paul McCann still. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that would – yeah. I'm sure it crossed their minds. Like I, I'm I didn't sure. want to. Ch- I liked it the way it was. <laughs> uh, sure, it crossed their minds. Although that would probably be really expensive to house. 
that set. Sure. Yeah. It was so big. Um, whereas like, you know, this TARDIS set and, and every TARDIS set that they've had since, well, with the exception of Eleven's first TARDIS interior, which was pretty gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that right next to the TARDIS set is like whatever other sets that they need for that episode, <laughs> you know? So, um, cause it's not, it's not that big. Uh, and it's actually, it's interesting because the TARDIS interior set on this show, uh, is kind of really until 11 is really sitcommy. Honestly, it's got, it's got that multi-cam feel to it because you really only see the three walls Yeah, more often than not, you know, every once in a while they'll get coverage of the fourth wall, but it's like, it's a rarity that they get coverage in that direction. Usually it's only because they have to, because there's a third person in the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. I really, the more I think about Matt Smith's TARDIS, that was a good one. It was a good TARDIS. Mm. It was a real good one. It was a good TARDIS for a good doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and I like Cavaldi's TARDIS too. I mean, I yeah. do. I think it suits him. But, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What, you guys have, uh, any other, any other thoughts? Oh, I do. I will, I will say, uh, the idea of the doctor having a northern accent, like that joke of like, oh, that. North. I mean that's that's like in the top ten Doctor Who lines like ever. I think. <laughs> yeah, lots of planets have a north. That whole scene is great with the London Eye and everything. Like, it's mm-hmm. so great because uh, like a lot of times with companions, the reason that the Doctor makes them a companion is always because they do one thing that impresses him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to hang out with this person." Like, like they they seem smart. Um, or clever or whatever. But like Rose is just like a never – just a, like a, a relentless supply of cleverness in this mm-hmm. episode to the point where – it and she's charming and she's like not like taken off guard by the doctor's like weirdness. Like she's kind of into it. Um, and and I, I – it just – you totally understand what he sees in her as a companion. Mm-hmm. In this story, which I think is cool. They really, they really, they hand it over the head, which is, I think, a good choice. I really like it. Especially for this first story. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I forgot how um, much I love Rose's theme. Like, oh, yeah. Music. It, it, like, it yeah. played at the end of the episode, and I was like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> yeah, Rose's theme is really good. I like that a lot. Oh, and speaking of the the... That the end of the episode, the bit, the joke, which I love the joke, which is which is the uh, the bit where he's like, ah, oh, be a companion. And then Mickey uh, begs for her to stay. And she's like, oh, yeah, I got to stay because I got to take care of my young child, apparently. Um, <laughs> and I'm that I'm for some reason s- sleeping with. I don't know. It's, it baffles me. Um, and uh, and then and and so she leaves. And the doctor's like, all right. And then comes back he like disappears then re- reappears and he he does the like did i also mention did, did i forget to mention that it travels in time and then she's like oh well in that case i got out go. yeah <laughs> yeah and uh i love that joke but there's actually um 
for the 50th anniversary, they released a bunch of uh, little like Doctor Who short stories, like focused on each Doctor. And the ninth Doctor story was a story in which he had just uh, he is on an adventure with this with this woman, and the whole thing is about how uh, she like I, I I feel like it was something to do with like. She had let something go that she regretted letting go and she wished that somebody had just given her a second chance to do this thing because she thought it was a good idea to let it go at the time. But if if somebody would have asked her even like 30 seconds later, like she, she would have had a different opinion. And the story took place between the first time that the TARDIS disappeared oh, and the second time he came back. That's and so cool. it was a story like explaining why he came back and asked her again. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. It was a really cool story for uh, the Ninth Doctor. Because he was really bummed out. He's like, I don't understand. He's like, I know I'm out of practice getting Aww. a companion, but jeez. <laughs> like he was like really dejected and everything. The whole story was really great. <laughs> But. Did um did either of you notice a um like a bad wolf in this episode, or did they not start setting that up until the next one? I didn't notice. Nick, I didn't did you either. notice any? Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't on the lookout. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. I wasn't looking for it either. And then my mm-hmm. fiance was like, "Oh, is there a bad wolf in this one?" Towards the end, and I was like, "Oh, why didn't you ask me that at the beginning?" <laughs> But I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't think there is. I feel like that was something that they set up. They started setting up in like in uh, Aliens in London, I think is when that started. Well, because um, they mention it in, uh, I think they mention it in the, the Dickens one, too. Oh, you're right. You're yeah, right. I don't know if it's any earlier than well, that, though. Yeah, but the Dickens one, I guess. I guess I was talking about like... Because this was the pilot, and so then I feel like because the Dickens one was like part of the second set of episodes that they oh, shot. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so I feel like Aliens in London is like the first thing that they shot with a Bad Wolf reference. I think interesting, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. So Rose. Well, if you'd like to visit us on our website, you always can at the Doctor's Companion Wall, or should I mention DuelingGenre.com? We have consolidated. All of our podcasts, The Doctor's Companion, Back to the Future Minute, and Geek by Night into one website called DuelingGenre.com. It's our production company that we all are um, working hard under, and it also has a uh, support option at DuelingGenre.com slash support. And if you like our podcast, and if you want to donate like a, a buck a month or two bucks a month, it'll help us out. And you can contact us at contact at us. Tweet us at TDC Pod and follow us on Tumblr at the Doctor's Companion Podcast.tumblr.com. We love hearing from you guys. And as always, you can like us on Facebook, leave a five star review on iTunes, which is always the chachest thing you can do for a podcast. And um, be sure to join us next time when we uh, learn that there is more to do than can ever be done with <laughs> David Tennant's first ever episode of The Christmas Invasion. Yeah.